So I'll be reading this morning from John 14. If you don't have a Bible with you today, just put up your hand in one of our front lines. Volunteers will give you one. And if you don't have a Bible at home, this is our gift. You can take it home. (laughs) So let's uh, just continue to quiet our hearts. God is here with us this morning, and he wants to speak to us through his word. So just take a deep breath, push away all the thoughts of your week before, your week coming, and let's hear from God. John 14, starting at verse 1. If you do have one of the Bibles, sorry, it's on page 901, 901. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Here ends the reading of God's word. Well, it is good. Hey, it's good to be together. It's good to pray. It's good to have our minds challenged and for our hearts to be broken for the things that breaks, that break God's heart. You know, I was with um, Mark Wallenberg, who we'll all get to meet when January comes. And Mark is the person who's in charge at IJM of uh, getting churches within Canada engaged with the work of International Justice Mission. And I just got to say, I was so impressed with the organization of International Justice Mission. Um, They actually, when Gary Hagen started the work that they do in the world, he actually said that the only way that we are going to be able to accomplish anything is in the power of God, the power of the Spirit, and the power of prayer, God's people actually praying. And so every day, around the world, every single International Justice Mission office starts their day, every individual expected to start their day in half an hour in prayer. And then at 11 o'clock, they all stop and they come together for half an hour and they pray for the major cases that are going on in the world and all these different things. And I was so impressed and I was so encouraged by their testimony uh, that they are actually, they, they live behind what they're doing and their, their hearts are broken. They believe that in order for these things to be done, God, the power of the Holy Spirit, needs to empower them to get it done. And so uh, my prayer would be the same for us, is that we'd believe that as well. And so that's one of the reasons why we pray. Well, as usual, uh, we're going to stop. 
And I'm going to ask you to identify how you're feeling this morning, and then I'm going to invite you to invite Jesus into it. You know, Christianity is more than an intellectual exercise. It's an exercise of growing in the Spirit of God and in all areas of our lives, our body, our emotions, and our intellect. But figure out how you're feeling, invite Jesus there, and then we'll continue. So Jesus, we just want to thank you that you meet us where we are, and today we ask that we would be obedient children, that we'd be receptive to what you want to say, and that we'd be open to what you want to do in and through our lives this morning and in the weeks to come and in the years to come. We pray all of these things in your name. Amen. Well, we are week three into a series called In Guelph As It Is In Heaven. If you've been around our church family for very long, you'll understand that In Guelph As It Is In Heaven isn't just a series title, but it's also our vision statement as a church family. That we believe that our presence here in Guelph ought to lead to this very thing, In Guelph As It Is In Heaven. That, That Guelph ought to look more like heaven due to our presence here than it would if we were not here. And so we've been talking about that, and one of the specific ways that we have been mentioning these things is to say, each and every single week, what would an evidence of heaven breaking out in our city actually look like? And so a couple weeks ago, we discovered that one of the ways that an evidence of the kingdom of God breaking out in our city would be where people are talking about Jesus constantly, where the good news of the gospel is being both proclaimed in our words and also in deeds. And then last week, we talked about the subversive rubric of Jesus's kingdom, and that is the disruptive grading system by which Jesus evaluates, and then we ought to be a people that evaluates as well. And this morning, I'm extremely excited to talk about the next evidence, which was honestly experienced by, I know, a few of us yesterday. We went down to Riverside Park, and we all experienced VegFest. And so VegFest is an experience of heaven on earth. (laughs) Not for for some of us. Totally messing with you. The the, the thing that we're going to talk about today is the power and the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, it's probably no surprise to you that as you read the Gospels, the biographies of Jesus, that you come across Jesus doing miracles, right? You read things about signs and wonders. Like, I don't think that would be any surprise to us. In Matthew's Gospel, uh, the first miracle that we we read about is found in Matthew 8, verse 1, where Jesus heals and cleanses a man who has leprosy. Then in Mark 1, verse 21, already in chapter 1 of Mark, Jesus heals a man with an unclean spirit. He casts the demon out of him. In Luke, chapters 4 and 5 are filled with stories of Jesus casting out demons and healing various afflictions. And then in John 2, Jesus turns water into wine. Like, what an incredible party favor. And in John 2, verse 11, we read this. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. So I think in summary, what we could say is that one of the key characterizations and evidences of Jesus' kingdom as Jesus lived in his earthly life was the fact that there were signs and wonders, and there were miracles. Now, I don't know about you, but as you read these things, do you ever stop and ask yourself the question, uh, should there be signs and wonders and miracles in our day? 
Like, have you ever asked that question? Like, should there be signs and miracles and wonders? Like, if an enormous part, a big evidence of Jesus' earthly ministry was signs and wonders and miracles, then certainly the heaven breaking out in our city, we should also be the one experiencing signs, miracles, and wonders. Agreed? Okay, well, that's where we're going today. So I hope, even if you're not convinced, I hope that we will eventually get there. But the question that I've then asked myself is we got to talk then about the Holy Spirit. Now, I heard someone quote this past week that when some of us think about the Holy Spirit, actually, it, it refers to when we speak about the Trinity, God, three and one. We think of the Father as the angry one. We think about the Son as the nice one. And we think of the Holy Spirit as the weird one. And so, so for many of us, that's the, that's the, that's the you know, essentially the summary of our understanding about God and the three persons. And it's so wrong. It's so wrong because God is three in one. He's three in one in three persons, but one in relationship. And so we have to begin to think about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit differently. Now, have you ever asked yourself the question, maybe you have, maybe you haven't, okay, so I'm bringing this question to you today. How was Jesus able to perform signs, miracles, and wonders. Like, how was he able to perform them? Now, typically, you're going to get two answers to these questions, okay? The first answer to that question is, well, Jesus was able to do it because Jesus is God and Jesus was divine, right? So maybe some of us have thought about that way before. It was like, well, Jesus could do it because, well, Jesus is God, so of course he was able to do signs and wonders. So therefore, when it comes to experiences of signs and wonders and miracles for ourselves, we're like, no way, because we're not Jesus, but I just want to poke a hole in that bubble, if that's you. How were other people who were not Jesus able to perform signs, miracles, and wonders? I mean, it sort of completely deflates your idea. So how were they able to do it? Well, then we have to go back to how was Jesus able to do it? And I believe the answer is that Jesus was able to do those things because he was empowered by the person of the Holy Spirit. And so therefore the Spirit is inside of him and the Spirit empowers him to perform miracles so that others can experience the signs and wonders. So what does this mean for you and for me? What I believe it means for you and for me is that if Jesus shows us the best way to be human and if we are saved and given the Holy Spirit through our relationship and trust in Jesus and our new baptismal identity— then you and I ought to live spirit-filled and spirit-empowered lives as Jesus did because the spirit is intended to make us more like Jesus. Now, I'm going to confess something to you today, okay? I think I do this fairly frequently, but I'm going to confess something new to you today. And that is that I do not like asking for help. I do not like asking for help. Um, part of that is because I am a bit performance-driven in nature, meaning that I, I like competence, right? And so if I'm going to be competent, I wouldn't be as competent as I could be if I asked you for help, because then I wouldn't be able to prove myself. Uh, secondly, I'm also a perfectionist, so I would ask you to help me with something that I think I could do so much better than you. Now, that's obviously very honest, right? <laughs> Thirdly, I th we live in a culture that celebrates you not needing help, right? Like, why ask somebody for help? Then you're sort of admitting a weakness. And the whole base of it is pride. Now, in the scriptures, we read that the Holy Spirit is a helper. Ooh. And we're given the Holy Spirit. Other, other translations will interpret that same thing to say he's the counselor, 
He comes alongside us because why? We need help. You and I need help. Now, who was the one person on the planet that ever lived that you would think never needed any help? Jesus. But guess what? Jesus needed help. He needed help. And he had the Holy Spirit. When Jesus comes to earth, he in essence essence lays aside his God card. That does not mean that he's no less God. It simply means that he sets aside the power of being God. And so therefore the things that he does are empowered by the work of the Holy Spirit. It's how he's able to sympathize with us in our weakness as human beings because he experienced humanity. He experienced being a human person. And so he understands, and so therefore he also empowers us. Now the next question you might ask is, well, can I do everything that Jesus did? Right? Like you're thinking, a great wedding gift. (laughs) The next time I go to a wedding, water to wine. They're going to love me. Right? This is going to be so memorable. And Jesus actually gives us the answer to that question in John 14, which Rhonda read for us earlier. We're going to focus on verses 12 to 14, though, where we read this. This is Jesus. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. So point one, okay, if you're taking notes, the basis and the prerequisite of the work of Jesus is belief in Jesus. Okay, so you're not going to be able to do the works Jesus does if you don't believe in Jesus. The Holy Spirit's not going to empower you unless you make much of the Son. They're in this perfect relationship. I heard the most way I heard it described with the Trinity is in this, they're in this perpetual dance, lifting up and glorifying one another. So the prerequisite to work is trust and faith and believe in Jesus. And then we read, and greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Okay, interesting. So number one, the prerequisite for the works that Jesus does is belief in Jesus. Then through belief in Jesus, we will do Jesus' work. Now the next question is, well, what type of work? Right, again, the, the water to wine question comes up. What type of work? Now the, the phrase work, specifically in the Greek, is a, is a word that describes more things than just the signs and wonders or the miracles of Jesus. It describes the entirety of Jesus' ministry, both his preaching and also the deeds of love that he did for the people that were around him. So it wasn't just specific things. That next word that you have to understand is signs. Now in John, signs is his word for categorizing the things that Jesus did, which was to prove to people his Messiahship, the fact that he was Messiah. So when you read after Jesus turns water into wine— What it says there is this is one of the first signs that Jesus did. And what it does is it leads people to believe that Jesus was the Messiah. So these things are not going to be things that you and I are going to be able to do. But we're told that the work that Jesus did, the the larger perspective of the activity of his ministry, we are encouraged to do. He then says that through the Holy Spirit, we're going to do greater work. Now, what does he mean by greater work? As we already said, it it can't mean that, you know, well, you can go to three weddings in one day and you're going to make tons of wine. The word greater here is referencing greater as far as multiplication. 
What he's saying is, is that you're going to have the Holy Spirit as I have the Holy Spirit. As I'm going to the Father, the Holy Spirit's going to come to you. He's going to fill you. And then you're going to go out and the gospel is going to spread throughout the entirety of the world. So greater is in reference to the multiplication of my ministry on this planet. Which, case in point, you're sitting here hearing the good news of Jesus Christ. Some of you having already believed it. Right? So that actually came true. Greater work will be done. Greater in that the gospel is going to go forth beyond this region into the entirety of the world. And you're going to be able to do the work that I do as you go out into the world. So in summary, those who believe in Jesus, who become his disciples, are commissioned to imitate the life and ministry of Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit. So the question that I want to answer during the remaining time that we have today is what does a life empowered by the Holy Spirit actually look like? Like if we're going to live out, if we're going to participate in, in Jesus' work, as he tells us to, what would a life actually empowered by the help of the Holy Spirit actually look like? And I think one of the starting places for that is to admit that you need help. If Jesus needed help, you need help. But I believe there's two ways, two primary ways that the Spirit's empowerment works in the life of those who trust and put their faith in Jesus. And the first is power in the mundane. And the second, as we'll get to, is power in the miraculous. Now first, power in the mundane. Now I will just tell you, I think that this is far more normative than power in the miraculous. And what I mean by that is on the day-to-day basis, you living your life, I believe you're going to receive the power of the Holy Spirit more in the mundane things of life than you will necessarily in the miraculous things of life. So let's get pretty specific. What do I mean by the mundane? Number one, resisting temptation and practicing self-control. In Matthew 4, verse 1, we read this about Jesus. Jesus was led up, up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now, that's super interesting, right? Jesus is led by the Spirit to be tempted. But then when Jesus is in the desert, what do we read happens? He's then empowered by the Holy Spirit to say no to temptation. So the Holy Spirit leads him to temptation, and then the Holy Spirit empowers him to say no to temptation. Other scriptures that we can read about this temptation, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13, often misquoted, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. That's not a period. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape, that you may be able to endure it. Oftentimes, the way of escape is given by the Holy Spirit. For you to say no to things, for you to practice self-control. First Timothy 1, verse 6 to 7. I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, the Holy Spirit, which is in you through the relaying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power of love and of self-control. R.T. Kendall, in his book Holy Fire, which I'd highly recommend, writes this. Self-control brings honor and glory to God. What is more, people admire self-control. If we claim to have the Holy Spirit and want the Holy Spirit to be given the respect due him, we should care about him enough that we discipline our tongues and our bodies. 
So first way of power in the mundane, the ability to say no to temptation, practicing self-control. We are a society that does not live by moderation in any way, right? We're out of control as it relates to moderation. And that's not just in things like alcohol. This is in food, right? How many of you struggle saying no to yourself? And I'm not just talking that one time a week where suddenly there's like a big potluck in front of you, right? I'm talking about the entirety of your week. We just fill ourselves. We don't live in moderation. And the Holy Spirit is there to give you the power to say no. Second way the Spirit empowers us in the mundane is in your character and your attitude. Galatians 5, 22 to 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, is joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. This is what this verse means. If you are being filled and empowered with the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit will be present in your life. It's like when you hang out with somebody so often that you start taking on their characteristics. When the Holy Spirit is in you, filling you, empowering you, you can't help but take on more of him who's more loving, who's more joyful. How many of you would love it if you were more loving? How many of you would love to be more gentle? How many of you would love to be more kind, faithful? Pursue the Holy Spirit. Be filled with him. He brings his fruit. The byproduct of the Spirit's filling in your life is the fruit of the Spirit. Don't quench him. Thirdly, another mundane but extremely powerful and important thing of the Spirit is that he helps us understand the Scriptures. 1 Timothy 3, verses 16 to 17. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 13. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit. Interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The Spirit helps you understand God's Word. Now, I'll be honest with you. I have days where I'm like trying to read the Scriptures and I'm like, what is happening? Right? Especially if you're committing to like, I'm going to read the Bible through in a year. And you get to some of the more difficult books to read. And you're like, how am I ever going to make it through this? I want to encourage you to stop and invite the Spirit to come. And help you understand what's going on. To give you the attention, the motivation to want to continue to read. It's okay to ask God to help you in your weakness. You need help. I need help. Fourth, prayer. (laughs) We can ask the Holy Spirit to help us pray? Absolutely. Romans 8, 26 to 27. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. Wow, that's straightforward. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. How many of you struggle? Okay, let's actually get a show of hands here so you know that you're not alone. How many of you struggle when you're praying to stay and pay attention to what you're doing, being prayer? Whoa, look around. It's like all of us. 
that are admitting that we're actually trying to pray. Great. It's so hard, right? It's so hard, especially in the society in which we live. And it's the fact that many of us have cell phones that we're addicted to. It's like, I wonder how many people message me or might have messaged me because I am so important that you can't actually take five to ten minutes of uninterrupted time to pray. Right? We are so addicted. You hear the Holy Spirit's like, the Holy Spirit helps you in your weakness. Oh, man, I'm weak when I pray. I need the Holy Spirit. He helps us in our weakness. He brings about the focus and the attention to focus in. He gives us that strength. Fifthly, this is so important. Romans 5 verse 5. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. How are you going to know that God the Father loves you? The Holy Spirit. You know, this is like one of my main prayers in my life. It's like, God, I want to know that you love me. So what do I ought to pray? Holy Spirit, I invite you to fill me so that I might know how much God loves me. That's like a prayer I pray often for other people. Like when people come to the front, it's like, Holy Spirit, come, rest upon them, fill them. May they know that you love them. Because so many of us, when we're caught up in, in our lives of addiction and pattern and behavior, we go to those things because we don't believe that God's love is enough for us. So what do we need more of? God's love. I remember sitting in a group, uh, and some of in this room will remember this uh, because it was part of our DNA time, and there was one guy in our group who was particularly uh, inclined, as we're going to talk the miraculous in a minute, to gift of the prophetic. And so different people in our group were sharing the things that were going on in their week, and he just stopped after each person shared what they did, and he said, do you not realize how much God loves you? You know, as people are confessing their sin. And each person that shared after confessing what was going on, they're like, do you not understand how much God loves you? God wants you to know today that he loves you so incredibly much. More than you could ever understand. Because if I come to terms through the power of the Holy Spirit in me, how much God loves me, why do I need these other things? Because his love is sufficient. His presence is enough. So I need the Holy Spirit to fill me. So, a quick question for us as we consider this. Do you want the help of the Holy Spirit in the mundane of your life? Do you recognize that he's there to help you in the mundane of your life? Right? Because when some of us think about the Holy Spirit, we think about only the miraculous, which we're about to get to. But we don't think about the day-to-day aspects of our lives. You know, in our missional communities, we talk about, you know, following Jesus in the everyday stuff of life. Empowered by the Holy Spirit in the everyday stuff of life. Holy Spirit, help me not be a jerk with my missional community family tonight because I'm feeling particularly like a jerk today, right? Give me peace tonight. You know, in my perfectionism, I've realized that it, I, I really struggle with people coming over to my house because I like things all in a certain place. And it wasn't until in my life when I started inviting the presence of the Holy Spirit into my life that now I have a much more, much cooler perspective when people come into my house and their kids start destroying things. 
right? You know, it's like, I taught my kids to play with that properly. What is your kid doing? Like, it's awful. But the Holy Spirit brings to mind, no. Be easy, be careful. I'm inside of you. As the Father is patient towards you, you ought to be patient towards them. You don't have to have a perfect life. You need me. Oh, you know, I'm just going through like the mental dialogue, right? I need the Holy Spirit in mundane. But then there's a second way that we're empowered by the Holy Spirit, and that's power in the miraculous. Now, you might be skeptical towards the miraculous. John Piper, who's by and large fairly conservative, believes in the power of the Spirit and the miraculous, and he says this, God chooses at times to use signs and wonders alongside his regenerating word to win a hearing and to shatter the shell of disinterest and cynicism and false religion. Do you need, we need that sometimes, right? The shell of disinterest and cynicism and false religion and help the fallen heart fix its gaze on the gospel. The good news of Jesus And so the Holy Spirit, as he works in the mundane, also works in the miraculous so we can celebrate more of Jesus. Like it's hard if you're part of participating in someone, like in a part of praying for them and they're healed, it's hard to walk away from that and be like, that didn't just happen. And we need that broken into us sometimes. So here are three ways that the miraculous oftentimes, the way that we experience the miraculous as we read Jesus and the apostles. And the first way is the demonstration of supernatural power. These are things that defy any sort of natural explanation. Now, Paul, in his letter to the Corinthians in chapter 12, talks about these things in verses 4 to 11. I just want to read these to you. Now, there are varieties of gifts. Now, the best way to understand gifts language here is going back to the Greek. And the Greek word is pneumatikos. And what that means, the best translation is actually stuff the Spirit does rather than gifts. So we should read this as there are are varieties of stuff the Spirit does. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is in the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So why are these things given? For the common good of God's church. For to one is given through the Spirit, so it's not the person, through the Spirit, the utterance of wisdom. To another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, the gifts of healing by the one spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, languages, to another the interpretation of those languages. All these are empowered. Ready ready for this? All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills not as you will. Very important. I want to heal more people today. Hold it. Does the Spirit want you to? Will the Spirit direct you to? Will He empower you? Because it's really Him then that does it. It's got nothing to do with you. So, the demonstration of supernatural power. 
in um, October, October 24th, or 21st, Sunday night, we're going to be here. We're going to have an evening prayer, worship, and healing service. 14th. Are you sure? 21st? 14th. Spencer's going to find out for us. On one of these nights, we are having a prayer, worship, and healing service. 21st. We're going to have a prayer, worship, and healing service. We're going to invite the Spirit of God to do something miraculous in our presence. Come to that night expectant. Because God shows up when his people come expectant. Bring your friends who need healing. Let's pray to God on their behalf. We must be desperate for more. And you might say, well, why do we need more? Well, why are you still the way that you are? As Martin Lloyd-Jones would say. If you don't think you need more of the Spirit, why do you keep sinning? You need more of the Holy Spirit. You need him to fill you. Secondly, the Holy Spirit and the miraculous leads the inner power to grasp what has been previously dark or mysterious. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 8, as we've already read, for to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. You know why people who have a bit more of a proneness, it would seem in their life, to these things freak me out? Because they know things about me that I don't want other people to know. Right? I've, I've heard stories where someone went up to somebody else and said, listen, I am sensing from the Spirit that you are doing something. I think it's in particular, and I submit this to you. I'm not telling you what it is, but I'm submitting to you that I'm getting the sense that you are not being faithful to your wife. And stories where that was actually the case, and the person came to a place of repentance, and they committed themselves to understand the good news of the gospel, that they're saved, and they went through then the walk through the process of forgiveness. The Spirit does this. Why? To glorify Jesus. So you can look more fully at the gospel and what Christ has done for us. And then thirdly, honestly, I believe this is so the power of the Spirit and the miraculous, is that the Holy Spirit gives us words and the power to witness. Matthew 10, verses 19 to 20. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Now, Jesus here in the context is specifically speaking about trials. But I want you to think about situations where you find yourself and you are like, I have no idea how I'm supposed to share the gospel with this person. It's going to be super awkward. You need help. The Holy Spirit will give you the words. I've had so many times and experiences with people where I was like, I have no idea how this conversation is going to go. Holy Spirit, give me the words to say. He gave me the words to say so I was able to share the gospel in that situation with somebody. And then I can leave it up to the Spirit because he's the one that transforms people, not me. So demonstration of superpower, the inner power to grasp what had been previously dark or mysterious, and then words. So friends, here's... Here's the summary statement for today as we've been doing the last couple weeks. If heaven is going to come to Guelph, Guelph will be a place experiencing the help and power of the Spirit in the mundane and the miraculous. In the mundane and the miraculous. So why does this matter? Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. We can produce a number of converts Thank God for that. And that goes on regularly in evangelical churches every Sunday. But the need today is much too great for that. 
The need today is for an authentication of God, of the supernatural, of the spiritual, of the eternal. And this can only be answered by God graciously hearing our cry and shedding forth again his spirit upon us and filling us as he kept filling the early church. Friends, we're not enough. You know, sometimes I worry about the North American church and that we're not desperate yet. We're like, oh, you know, you, you come in here on Sunday mornings, you look around, you're in your missional community, you look around, it's like, well, you know, our room's full. Or here and you look around, it's like, oh, you know, like the room's full. Why would I invite somebody? There might not be a seat for them. That's not your concern. But we're just like, oh, whatever, you know, you know, it's just going to be like, some of us don't actually don't like it when we grow because we're like, that makes it uncomfortable. Meanwhile, people are coming to faith and you don't like people coming to faith. Friends, if we were to take all of the Christians in the city, maybe even those that would say, some people are nominal, I think we understand that, that like, yeah, I follow Jesus, but they're not actually. But if we're to actually look at the serious numbers as far as how many people in our city are actually seriously considering and love Jesus and are following him in the day-to-day stuff of, of their life, we're not touching the city. Like there's roughly 125,000 people, maybe there's 5,000 Christians taking it seriously. There's 120,000 people in our city that need the love of Jesus. They need the power of the Spirit in their life. That's only going to happen, those people hearing, if the Holy Spirit's inside us empowering us. Because we need help. We seriously need help. Lloyd-Jones says at another point, is when God acts, he can do more in a minute than man with his organizing can do in 50 years. When God acts, he can do more in a minute that man with his organizing can do in 50 years. This is him speaking about revival. The only way in Guelph as it is in heaven is going to happen is through the power and the work of the Holy Spirit. We need him. So as we respond today, don't just respond now. Respond with your life in the mundane and the miraculous. You know, someone came in today, they were feeling pain. Well, let me pray for you that God would heal you. It's not up to me to heal that person. It's up to the Holy Spirit to heal that person. It's up to me to be obedient to say, hey, you're feeling pain? Let me pray for you. That's all all, all that's required of me. It's very simple, steps of obedience. Friends, do you need help? Do you want help? Because it starts there. May our pride not get in the way. You are not God. Let God be God. And call on his spirit to fill you, to empower you. If you would like someone to pray with you for that, come to the front. If you'd like to come to the front and kneel as again as an act of submission to, to Jesus, to the Holy Spirit, to invite him, to take on a posture of fill me, then do it. Don't worry about what everyone else thinks. You need help. They do too. Maybe they don't realize it yet. We all need the Spirit's help. So let's respond today. Invite the Spirit as he makes much of Jesus. So we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here. 
And God, in the, in the Acts of the Apostles, we read in chapters four and five of the apostles asking for you to come and to fill the place where they were, to shake the place that they were. And you did, and you came. You gave them the power to witness. You gave them power of miracles. But you also gave them the power in the mundane to have the words. You gave them the power in their character so they live lives of integrity. You gave them the power to understand what was going on, the mysteries of the Old Testament. You gave them this by the power of your spirit. So God, I pray that we would not be so conceited and proud that we believe we don't need you. So break our hearts, God. If there's anybody in this room that believes they've got it all figured out, may you do whatever you need to do to knock them back and may they realize that they need you and they need your spirit. So we invite you now, Holy Spirit, to come. In your name we pray, amen. You may all stand.